Hello and welcome to So Farscape. A fun-filled Farscape fan cast by a fervent fan. And a frankly fascinated first-timer. I'm Kaki. I'm Kay. And this, this is the story, story So, so Farscape. Farscape. Ah. Ah, another fun-filled <laughs> episode of Farscape fantasy. Oh, come uh, on. Come on. There was a lot of fun, it, there was a lot of fun to be had. There was a lot of fun to be had. I agree. So this episode, week's episode is uh, episode two eighteen, Clockwork Nabari. Yes, we had some excellent uh, uh, synopses for this one. Uh, yes, let me have a quick look. Horsebird, or I think, or do, are we going to go, go with Horsebird? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, after you mispronounced their name, they it they was wanted... misspelled. It, it, it said Horsebird. Did it, it? It did. Oh, okay. I thought that. Okay, well. Because bird was also spelled with a U, and her uh, it was H U R, so it was misspelled in my notes. So, well, okay, so they took this to heart, and, and Horsebird actually made it's that Horsebird, yeah. as in like the Undertaker, their new wrestler persona. There we go, it's brilliant. <laughs> Space chaperones come for a crew member who's been out partying too long. <laughs> Crichton keeps an eye out. Oh God, for a way to evade yes, curfew. Yes, yes. <laughs> with some unexpected help from a bad influence. Thank you so much for that. This episode finds our droogs penchant for a spot of the old ultraviolence tempered when they are forced into an aversion therapy treatment where they are forced to watch reruns of Andromeda. Thanks, Chris. Andromeda? Oh, and that sounds familiar. I can't place it right now. Oh, it, it was a contemporary space opera with Kevin Sorbo. Oh, okay. Definite Ted Kevin Sorbo uh, by Gene Ronberry. And uh, Wookiee is fine, Smiley says. In Farscape first foray into Kubrick territory, the crew encounters a familiar alien race who gives the entire ship a chill pill they won't soon forget. Featuring intro to brainwashing, Winona's day out, and nightmare fuel puppetry and makeup that'll make your eyes hurt. Oh, oh that yeah, was good. That is fantastic. Oh, Wookiee is knocking them out of the park. They're so, so good. Yeah, we're talking about uh, a clockwork Nabari, which reintroduces the Nabari species. I'm a Nabari. You may have heard of us. Leave this room now, child. Yes. The, oh, I think it's called the establishment is their government. Yes, I love that. It's fantastic. <laughs> that is a fantastic so name for a fascio anarchistic government. Actually, I was the leading anarchist. Is that That's impossible a, to have a fascio anarchistic government. I don't think they're anarchistic. No. They're fascio conformist. That's the word I was looking for. Thank you. In this case, we're uh, we're looking for yeah. The anarchist is already aboard in the form of as Crichton calls her Miss Kitty. Miss Kitty, yes. Because <laughs> Crichton and Chiana are just returning from some planet where some stuff went down. I love their outfits. Like it's like straight from the Matrix. They're yeah. both dressed like to the nines. She keeps tripping him up. Quit tripping me. Which yes. he's trying to put up with. He's got his he's got his black long coat. She's got her traveling outfit. I yeah. always like that on her. She looks great in that. Coats, man. Coats mm. are great. You need more of those in uh, in sci-fi. Although uh, it's kind of weird that like the top of that coat is kind of like gray, which is almost similar to her skin color. So yeah. maybe it's like like simulating a strapless uh, gown which a strapless coat but just like having it like Skin color oh, wow. matching. I mean, yeah. Like, no, imagine, yeah, yeah, yeah. imagine a human wearing that. Uh, they'd have like a coat, and the top would be like almost like their, yeah. their own proper skin color. It looks a bit look weird, but it's if why you think I thought like, like there was a time when I enjoyed wearing beige, and then like right. in the summer, like a beige tank top. I might as just well be the nippleless wonder going around. <laughs> That's the only thing. So yeah, they they've just been to a commerce planet where things didn't go super smooth. Are you so angry at me? <laughs> Try it out. What do you think? No. Chiana used her talents to uh, yes. yeah, get some information about Dargo's son. 
John is uh, telling her that Dargo might a little bit upset if she, uh, he finds out how she got that information. It's all it's all very wink wink nudge nudge uh, implication of what's been going on there. Yeah, nobody says things out loud. Like nobody even says the word sex. Mm. Even when it's mentioned, it's carnal contact. Right, or frelling, or whatever. I don't... Ooh. No, I mean, they don't use frelling. That's yeah. what I mean. Oh, like so, like so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, it, it's very... I mean, for a, for a series that it doesn't shy away from showing making out, and, like, they seem to be a little bit brutish a about actually saying it. A little bit of deep carpet diving. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. Jenner and I are having fantastic sex. And things went from uh, from bad to worse, apparently, because her wiles eventually resulted in probably some bad blood. Mm. You know, we barely got your ass out of there before that guy and his buddies turned nasty. There was a shootout, which Crichton and, uh, and Chiana escaped from, because his trusty sidearm, which he finally gives a name, Winona. Winona, yes. I assume, assume that's after Winona Ryder, but... It could be Winona Earp, and it could be uh, oh. Winona... Like, definitely Ben Browder came up with it, but yeah. nobody quite knows which Winona. You know. uh, yeah, so he's been having some problems with the Chakan oil prostate regulators having some problems. <laughs> it happens to most men. I mean, it's adorable when he, like, shoots his gun and he, like, hits one of those aluminum bottles, and then the next shot, it kind of... You can literally see it go... Ptoo. Like one of those Roman yes. candles which don't fire off properly. It just fizzles. <laughs> yeah. Like, Gianna ducks to the side, but all it does is make the bottle just wobble just a little bit. Yes, and she actually laughs it off. I kind of like that about her. I mean, it's terrible firearm discipline. Come on, baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But hey, that's uh, that's John. He's uh, He's been a little kooky. You can see it in his body language, yes. how protective he is of Winona. Hey, Winona has been very reliable. It's not her fault that she jammed. At least he's <laughs> at least he's still caring, even in his mania. Mm. They're worried about Aaron's return because Aaron and Dargo stayed behind to finish, I guess, the firefight. Yeah, they ran off, and he's going to be like, "Oh, they're going to be super pissed," and Aaron's going to give it to you like hard. Aaron walks in, the radiant Aaron son, and Crichton says, "Good luck." Yep. Here we go. And Aaron is like, hi, how are you? If everything good with you guys? I want to apologize for not looking after you better. My behavior has been self-centered and inappropriate. And this is like immediately trick. I mean, her body language yeah. is completely wrong. Like the, the, from the first moment, I'm like, okay, who are you and where's Aaron? It's, <laughs> very good. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Immediately. And But, but the way she plays it, it's really uncanny how she manages to like be not Aaron. Yeah. I don't get it. What don't you get? Well, we just had our asses whooped saving Chiana and you're apologizing to her. That's scary. Well, that was in the past, John. Now we look toward the future. <laughs> she's just walking straight ahead. She's looking straight ahead. She's barely blinking. Standing straight and properly poised and not like the kind of like the grunt that she normally is. Grunt. Yes, exactly that. She's a squaddy. She's a grumpy squaddy most of the time. A, a bit like the difference when you see uh, Osface who plays Starbuck between when she's being Starbuck and when she's like in a dress on the red carpet at some. Oh, yeah. It's amazing to see the difference between her when she's all femme or when she's all butch. I'm butch. The next one is Rigel's seriously creepy smile. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> he just glides in, we have a surprise for you. And it's like, he, he's, it's amazing how the puppeteers managed to to give him an expression that's at the same time empty and cruel. Yes, yeah, 
because his eyes don't smile. Yeah, it's and like th- this. How do how do eyes smile on a puppet? But I don't know. It's like it's brilliant. It's like he doesn't feature much in the scene, but he's mostly in the background. But he's like constantly <laughs> yes. going there, like. Oh, it is so freaky. Zips along behind people on his throne sled. It's such yeah. a great look. Although I wonder how much of this is the, ooh. It's an affected cinema that's named after a, a Russian filmmaker. Like, the Russians pioneered yeah. so much of cinema. And it was about the power of editing. So there was a, a film, this was in the silent film era, where one of the great stage actors of, yeah. of Russia, who generally don't play in films in those days, yeah. played in this in this silent film where you see him over the course of the film like looking at a delicious meal and then looking at, later on, he's looking at like a, a pile of maggots or a, a dead girl. Or, uh-huh. And these are his only appearances and people praised the depth of of his performance, that even through those simple looks he could convey so much, they were the same shot. Uh, it was, yeah, yeah. yeah, it was a deliberate experiment to see w- how much people read into uh, a, a performance based on its context. And it's enormous. I guess that's because of micro-expressions, that, like, your face is constantly changing, mm-hmm. constantly shifting micro-expressions. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you can see that if you, like, do a high-speed photo shot of someone. Like, you just, like take a high-speed sequence of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, between, like, shots which are, like, only tenths of a second apart, they'll have, like, different expressions on their face. Right, but these were the same expressions. No, I know. But his... that's, and that's why the context comes in, because you pick up on the ones that you... Uh, oh! Oh, uh, that interesting. You I would assume that's something like that, at least. I mean, I'm just, like, making this up as I'm going along right now. I think it's really interesting. I mean, yeah. it, uh, therefore, it may be the same with, like, the puppet's not doing anything, yeah. anything different. I mean, Rigel even says... I'm nobody's, nobody's puppet. puppet. Yes, <laughs> I, I, that one actually went over my head because I was just like, "What do you mean? Like you're never anybody's puppet?" And like until like, "Oh wait, there yes. he actually is a puppet." Yeah, no, it's like you're in too deep, Kay. Am, no, I this am. is great. No, but like in my first watch through, I wasn't fooled either. Like they walk in and it's so yeah, clear there's something, something wrong. Something's fucky. Crichton actually notices and he, I mean, he tries to help. Chiana and get her out of the... Why don't you go talk to Dargo? Yes. Right? Both to get her out of danger and also maybe get Dargo down here to <laughs> That would help be a good it. idea, yes. Cue Femme David Bowie Nabari. <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm talking about, right? It's like, yes. it's very much the troll king or troll queen in this case comes walking in. Oh, she can be a king if she wants to. Uh, My God, yeah. this woman, Varla. The first other female Nabari that we've yes. seen. Chiana, dear. It's time to go home. And she walks in with incredible poise and threat. She's covered in blood. Half her face is cut up. Yeah, they've been having a bit of a bad time, I would say. And it doesn't bother her in the least. She walks in with these injuries with such power. And she greets Chiana by name. Yes. Chiana immediately cottons on to the fact that people have been uh, brain cleansed. cleansed, That's the word, yes. (laughs) Brain swiped. They're cleansed. No! John tries to take another pot shot, and his unfortunately his gun fails again miserably. I thought that was a really good uh, way to keep the whole violence thing. I was like, yeah, we tried that. Like, unfortunately, John's gun wasn't working. This entire thing could have been resolved if Winona hadn't like had her little problem. It's not her fault that she jammed. I mean, he shoots first. Yeah. Right, it's a standoff That's... between uh, Vala, who has the stun gun, which she doesn't use for some reason, and uh, and Crichton, who's mm. holding Chi at this point. He would have taken her head off. Mm. But, yep. alas, yep. Uh, no. they both get zapped. And after the opening credits, we're treated to another shot of uh, a Nabari craft. It's the same one that we saw the last yes. time. Same design. 
So it's kind of cool. That that clip of the last time that they encountered one of those ships and actually hits it yeah. is in the opening titles. So I'm looking here at a GIF that has ah. the clip of the original impact from Durka Returns and the arrival of this new one ah, yes. in the same... It's set. trailing some like gas or other fluids. Probably uh, cesium fuel again. Everybody yeah. seems to be leaking cesium fuel. Is that ship still leaking cesium fuel? Yes. But on board is yet another Nabari, a very Australian-accented fellow. Malak? My guide. I came as soon as I received your signal. And With he's like gorgeous. He's got goth makeup. Cool like, hair. like he's got a little bit yeah. of an, he's got a little bit of an addiction to eyeshadow. I mean, you, like if you have a pool cue, you could just walk up to him and go <laughs> on his uh, eye sockets, and you'd be fine. <laughs> yes, he's overdone it on the guy shadow, as I think it's called. But this is Malak, who calls Vala his guide, and he arrived as soon as he could. They're getting a lot of uh, mileage out of the stairs prop from the locket because oh, they're using that yes. for uh, the Navari one as well. Oh, God, I love this look. Which bit of me looks good, exactly? There's a bit of a struggle going on as Erin is fitting a collar to a pilot. And I'm kind of surprised that she actually got that far. I mean, she has to, like, she would have had to approach him with that collar. And I can't imagine that pilot would let her get close enough at that point. But apparently she has. And uh, she's now, like, struggling that big collar around him. Ah, Officer Sun, Erin, why are you? We need your cooperation, pilot. No harm will come to you if you cooperate. Yeah, she's wearing a smaller version of it uh, herself. It's made out of these sort of gold scales, and it's got uh, tubes, clear tubes. To be honest, it looks a bit like those uh, cable control things that you get for your desk, you know, like a spine with all those little plastic uh, uh, clamps around it, which you can run your cables through to keep them all nicely bundled together. And take one of those, spray paint it in copper, (laughs) and then like run some tubes to it with green liquid running through it, and you got pretty much this thing. It can't be comfortable to wear, even though uh, Aaron doesn't seem to mind it. Especially not because it's got big spikes in them. Which like prick into his skin when uh, the collar gets tightened by our uh, Nabari when she shows up because his species can't tolerate the chemical mind cleansing that they've subjected the yeah. other non-Nabari on this on the ship to. So they need this collar to keep him under control. And but everybody's yeah, on the other. Co- but everybody else is on the collars as well. So it's like seems a bit like. Yeah. I think the collar is for pain. As, oh, a, as a backup. Right. Yeah, yeah. Because when Salas first brought Chiana aboard in uh, season one, episode 15, Durkham yeah. Returns, she also had a control collar on. It also had lights on it, but quite, quite different. Sort of like a horseshoe or like a bike lock clamped around her neck. It wasn't, it wasn't quite so steampunk as this one. I much prefer these. This one has clearly has tubes running through it for injecting chemicals and uh, who knows what into people. Vala is happily using this to convey to, uh, uh, to Pilot that he better follow her commands and better not starburst yeah. because it's programmed to... Detect starburst and it will kill you if you do. With a lethal dose of whatever's being injected. Chemical torture? Yeah. Yikes. Yikes. There was so much in this episode. I've, like three times in my notes, it says just yikes in capital letters. <laughs> yeah, p- uh, Pilot's actually foaming at the mouth by the time yeah. that uh, he's done oh. with the collar installation. And yeah, Aaron is still like creepily... Pleasant and she's completely mindful. Yeah, she's, yeah, she's, she's taking she's, care of Varla when she falls. She's affirming the orders to uh, to pilot. Like, please don't starburst. We would not like to lose you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
Would that, would that actually, oh no, it, it probably wouldn't kill Moya, but they would just have to acquire a new pilot. Yeah. I suppose, if they kill pilots. Yeah. Ooh. Don't want to think about that. Chiana, John, and Dargo are in the brig with Chiana for some reason chained up. Yes. I mean, she's still the insurgent or the rebel or the whatever you want to call it. And she's the, the prize. Just, and the, yeah, the, the prize. Yeah, they, they do call her that. Yes. Yeah. I'm the prize. Dargo is very unimpressed by it all. And at this point, I'm thinking, where's Zahn? You haven't seen Zahn at all yet. Yeah. So that is answered shortly when exactly. John tries to get the truth out of Chiana, but doesn't get very far before he's interrupted by the arrival of Melak. So, you are the sister. Melak arrives and uses those two sort of... Paint studs. Knobbly poker chips that he's got set in... The, On his the, forehead, yeah. yeah, which apparently control the colours. It's kind of a cool one-two move, because Dargo grabs him through the door, but before he can touch the paint studs, yeah. Crichton's got his hand. But don't worry, Zan Sounds. is there to touch them for him, because she's already been mind frelled. Zan, help us! Worry not. Oh! Soon you will know the bliss that I know. <laughs> as well, yes. We don't see a lot of her at all. I mean, that's she, again, it. she that's shows no. She shows up right towards the end of the episode again, oh, yeah? but yeah, only very briefly. Again. Hadn't even there's, noticed. No, there's almost no Zahn in this episode. Maybe uh, Virginia Hayes had something else to do while they were filming this. Apparently, this was filmed just before the Easter break. So maybe she took off early, or they didn't. Uh, the yeah. writer didn't have much to do for. I mean, okay. So this is the first story written by Lily Taylor, and she's been a story editor on Farscape for a while, and apparently did a fantastic job in, in balancing her duties as writer and story editor. And she specifically wanted to do a, a, a Chiana story. Yeah. So like she got to develop a lot of the Nabari sort of back story that gets uh, uh, that gets revealed it is here. yes um Aaron, meanwhile is uh, tending to uh, varla your wounds are deep this one looks badly infected my condition is of no concern uh, i guess because virginia helping, was already on, uh, yes, on easter break oh helping her stitch up her wounds we it's learn a badly we, infected we learn a little bit that she, they were attacked by uh, peacekeepers mm. probably from scorpius's carrier but we don't know exactly why I was really intrigued by this scene because why is Varla talking to Eren? She's revealing so much about their plans, yes, about their I guess the, the reason they're it's out talking, there. To talking to the audience rather than talking to. Uh, oh, of course. Yeah, you know, just villains like to uh, grandstand; they like to monologue. See, I'm intrigued by the cultural implications because she is very different from Salas, mm. right? Salas was calm and smug. We simply eliminated those thought patterns that led him to behave inappropriately. Also much older. Yes, I got that impression as well. Oh. Although she is a woman of uh, uh, mature experience, mm. capital W woman, but she's also a sadist. Yes. Right? I mean, she no, actually totally. enjoys it. Yeah. Salas was a psychopath, sociopath. I'm not quite sure yeah. what, the, what the scale is, but he likes to... Salas liked to be liked, mm-hmm. right? And so he, he had a lot of pretense about being reasonable. He wanted other people to be reasonable, even yeah. though he was actually cruel. Varla enjoys the power. Right. She's all about like, oh, for the greater good, everything is permitted. It is either mind cleansing or death. Hey, isn't that against your Nabari Prime Directive? We are in difficult times. I'm afraid we must do whatever necessary to serve the greater good. And she's like, yeah, yeah she's like, she, she says all the things that 
are to be said about like oh it's all for the greater good of society but in the meantime she in- enjoys like using yeah. the uh, the paint color on people very much so and that's how it works with the, the Namari. people who conform don't need to be cleansed like that's a, that's yeah. an instrument of last resort so she seems like a more like an apparatchik she's perfectly oh, yeah, happy yeah. in this position getting her jollies but again like anybody would see that she's only going through the motions, that she's actually enjoying this, which is like, she's like inflicting these pains, which is one of the negative emotions that you shouldn't be having. So any self-cleansing system would have like long time singled her out and saying like, yeah. Like, That's no. assuming it's a principled system, which right. it doesn't have to be, because like conformity is about behavior, not about what's in your but head. But behavior is obviously not right either, unless she... See, this it's, is okay, it's it's a really interesting yeah, character. Unless it's accepted in the... Uh, in the people who are like going out hunting i mean every society needs exactly. people who stand outside their own systems of value in order to preserve those right we you know murder is a, is an atrocity and yet that's what soldiers and sometimes oh. law enforcement are, are tasked to do and so we expect people to be able to balance that like maybe the society those people who enjoy inflicting cruelty well we have jobs for them too mm. Right? As long as they do it within the strictures of the establishment, yeah. which is such a great name for a government. John, meanwhile, is like figuring out from Chana what's going on. Chana, when these people came on board, they were after you. That makes you the it girl. You've got something they want. What is it? I don't have anything. Chana? Salas, you kept asking me about the resistance, some kind of resistance. She tries to keep mum, and he tells her, like, we all have secrets. We all have secrets. You got one, that's fine. Keep it. Right up to the point where they come to fry my brain. Which is being done to Dargo at this point. Mm. And she tells him a little bit about her backstory. How, like, Flashback! Yes, uh, she and her An brother. extremely rare, like, in-camera flashback to another character's, like, prior life. So apparently they were released from the from their planet so they have like strict like you know ddr type style of you're not allowed to leave unless we give you permission to leave and then they got exit permits from the government for no reason that they understood but they took them and left and later found out that they had been infected with something or the other the contagion spreads quickly it shows no outward symptoms the contagion, as yes. it's known. It is a sexually transmitted uh, a disease with no outward symptoms, but apparently a high transmission rate, whose ultimate goal, and this is super nefarious, is like... Super nefarious? Uh, ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh, I saw a tweet from uh, Ricky Manning. He got the word nabari. It's a Japanese word. Yeah. It's for the surface-level roots of bonsai trees, which oh. was apparently a, a hobby of his wife's. Yes, and we get to see Chana's supposedly dead brother. Neri, who's got what like a the dreamboat. goth boy turned up to 11. Not gothic enough. He, yeah, yeah, he's totally addicted to, to Guy Liner. He's got his cheekbones really well defined. <sighs> I really liked this scene, how close they are to each other. Yes. Like face to face, nose to nose, and there is, it is just comfortable. And she's like clearly the little sister who is looking up to her big brother. As a kid, Neri gave me everything. I just, I just followed him. 
she's going through an excruciating process of cleansing herself, apparently. Yeah. This, this is the contagion being flushed out of her as it was uh, uh, for him earlier. can't believe, believe how much it hurts. I, I, couldn't believe, I couldn't believe it either. But I got through it. You will too. Which she apparently got from a government official which implies that both the, the contagion and the cure of the contagion are is involved in some sort of Nibari governmental struggle. Yeah. The official policy is infect as many foreigners uh, with the contagion as possible. By releasing an army of sluts out into the galaxy. Yep. I mean, like, I mean, like, if cute Nabari ball like that, I would not say no. Right. It's like, yeah, come on yeah. in. Like, stay as long as you want. There's the couch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> I really wonder how much of the sort of facial markings, especially of the males of the species, are... I mean, Salis didn't have the guy liner. No. So maybe this is just ethnic diversity within the species? Could be. Or maybe it's makeup. So the other thing that I'm wondering about now, because I don't remember quite what Salis looked like, but so far we seem to have... The women seem to have white hair and the guys seem to have black hair. Yes. And the women seem to have dark roots. Yeah. Uh, but... Who knows? Maybe the, maybe this is like a cultural thing. Maybe yeah. you know. Maybe they do actually wear makeup. In the Egyptians, everyone wore coal. And yeah. Apparently, in certain uh, regiments of the peacekeepers, they do those as well. Yes. Awful. Oh, maybe they just like play pranks on each other with the binoculars all the yes, time. Exactly. Yes, exactly. But in the like in Western cultures, it's usually women and, and people who embrace that side of the gender spectrum who prefer like facial uh, and or, goths. or whatever. Yes. No, that's true. <laughs> and goths. Or on the other hand, I mean, oh, I once saw this cool post on Tumblr about Delvians. Yeah. Um, that all the, other than Zan, all the female presenting Delvians had hair and all the male presenting Delvians were bald. And so maybe she was a trans woman. Oh, interesting. And how cool would that be? Yeah. Because that would, that would totally fit. Yeah, I can right? see that, yeah. I mean, she did look striking in a business suit. You're the female of your species. I mean, I'm gay, but is that like that? Is that not gay? What, I mean, it's kind of like it's, is, it's kind of like the same thing as uh, what's her name in who plays Gabriel in uh, Constantine. Oh, her in a suit, Tilda Swinton. Yes, Tilda Swinton in a business suit. <gasps> Damn! Wow, <laughs> gay, but not that gay. You know, it's like. Prior to his death, she and her childhood hero, David Bowie, used to go to parties together, and they would match outfits, and they would dress as each other. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, okay, yeah. so yes, uh, whew, whew. coming back down here, this is a great scene between brother and sister mm. where he also tells her that they have to split up. I'm coming with you. Yeah. No. We're less conspicuous if we split up. He's going to fight the good fight and she's going to have to just be a little good sister and stay safe, I suppose. I mean, the biggest worry that he has at this point is he can identify the official in the establishment who provided them yeah. with the antibodies. And so he is at risk. And I guess that's why he doesn't want his little sister to run the same risk with him. No, but to be honest, like that's the kind of information you want to spread or at least make sure that there's a backup for it. Like, you know, a- Why? Wait, why? Because if you get killed, that information is lost. Yeah, no, oh, if, uh, we're talking yeah. about the, the identity of the person who, oh, who right. saved them. Like, right. That is yes. a secret to no, be kept. No, you're, if you're, you're talking you about the point. contagion, yes, yeah, absolutely no, sorry, true. Yes, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's right. I was completely on the wrong foot there. Yeah, that, no, that, but if, like, I get Because that person it. can reveal themselves whenever they want, whereas like, exactly. he can reveal them whenever they might not want. So, yeah, no, you have a good point. And Crichton kind of yeah. gets it. Your own people infected you with some kind of disease. 
ordinary. Me? Hundreds like us. Maybe thousands. In the routine physical examination they so generously gave us. And they knew that you'd go out and transmit it. How did you, um... Through corner contact. Nary and I were young. We did an admirable job for them. Why didn't you tell us about this before? That my people were planning to frill over as much of the galaxy as they could. You barely let me stay aboard more as it was. This must have been a complicated scene to film with, you know, Gigi Edgley hanging off chains and... Which uh, she's been doing a lot recently. Hmm. You know, it started with, like, hanging uh, above the acid vats in... Uh, oh, God, yeah. Uh, in the princess ones. In and the completely necessary palatial foundry that everyone has underneath their the, ballast. The big etching facility. You know. Yeah, exactly. You have, like, six rooms, one of which is the swingers bar then you have the acoustic chamber and then you have the acid foundry because what else do you need in a palace yes and the betrayal garden and the uh <laughs> it is Crichton's time to shine mm. melak shows up knocks him out and drags him to this is like <laughs> i mentioned that yikes is in there three yes. times all three were for this <laughs> Because I had forgotten just how gonzo this is. I mean, I can see is. where they went with the Clockwork Nibari. Because, like, okay, so this has to be, even in the in the first shot, it has to be some sort of prosthetic mask that he's wearing. Because his eyelids are being pulled open way too far. Yeah. Uh, and his, like, eyeballs are kind of bulging out. And he's wearing this enormous collar. Which yeah. reminded me a little Ooh. bit of Wild Wild West. You know, <laughs> I mean, it reminds me of, like, Pagliacci, the clown. Right. Those, oh, uh, that great, too. But, but it, it, it's gold and steampunk, and he's got this brace around his head, and, yes, these claws hooked into his, his eyelids. See, what I think it is, uh, I think this was filmed with him, just his head in the collar with the yeah. machine in front of him, and then it was filmed again, but with the prosthetic top of the head. Yes, and they superimposed that on there. completely immobile. Yep. Apparently it was super uncomfortable I to film. And he, well, imagine. It took ages to get into and out of, and oh, he could dear. feel like the circulation getting cut off, and he's like, don't pass out, don't pass out, because then you just have to do it again. Just hold on, don't pass out. <laughs> Dargo uh, is also in the room, and he's just gushing. He's just like like letting out all his like, emotions, and he's, he's like so confessing weepy. everything. Oh, I'm so sorry. Like, oh, I love you so much, and all the things I've done to you I didn't I'm mean so to do. Sorry. And I've been yeah. yeah. <laughs> all the horrible thoughts I've had, all the cycles of my life, even about you, I am. So sorry. That's okay, Darko. We'll talk later. Okay. <laughs> he is. I mean, once you let the once you let the camp out of an Australian actor, it just yeah. gushes. I guess <laughs> they must be very repressed. Have you met Australians? Yeah, I mean, there's like repression and there's repression. <laughs> I, I'm sure that the Namari know exactly what yeah. the difference is because this machine is designed to. Pull his eyeballs out, yes, which is then, not possible. Not possible. Not possible. That's impossible! Well, you think I'm making this up? It's impossible. Strangely not. Since I got here, I've seen a lot of impossible things. Well, technically, but not... Nope. Yeah, I mean, it's not... It, I mean, they, they kind of got it almost right with the whole optical nerve thing, although I think it's a bit like... You're right, that is where the optical nerve is, but there are muscles... Oh, yes. Right, that right. you have to... That you have, I mean, I'm a person who has had eye surgery, mm. and for the longest time, I believed my mother when she told me, you know, I was like 8 or 12 at yeah. the time, that for this operation, what they do is they take a big spoon, and they scoop your eye out, <laughs> and then they, 
they fix it and then they pop it back in. And that's how I thought eyes worked for the, for the longest time. <laughs> oh dear, yeah. So I avoided stairs or anything because you might fall over and your Indeed. eyes might pop out. <laughs> and then how are you going to find them if you don't have eyes? Well, you can still see. Because they'll still be attached by the optical nerve. So I didn't know about the optic nerve at the time. Anyway, uh, okay, yes. optic nerves don't stretch this much. It's completely no. absurd. They clamp a little uh, device to it, which apparently delivers the drugs. Because, like, yeah, mind-altering drugs must be delivered to the optic nerve. Everybody knows that. I mean, it is a handy path to the brain. There's many other handy paths to the brain which don't involve pulling people's eyes out of their sockets. Most, in fact. But yes. just, uh, in I fact, mean, almost all of them. I mean, you know... This is not a great thing to think about, but your eyeballs sit in your in your eye socket of your skull, and mm-hmm. there's a hole in the back of the eye socket, yeah. and there's a, just a wire running from your right. eyeball into your brain. But I'm thinking, like, that must be kind of... I mean, I've had, like, a tiny little bit of sand in my eye, and that mm-hmm. hurts like a f***er. Imagine having this thing about the size of a quarter stuck to your optic nerve. That must be really uncomfortable to move your eyes around. Yeah, but it's behind the eyeball. Yeah, but it's just all the nerve. Around. It's still moving around unless it gets stuck back into your skull. It's, I mean, it's science you can't fantasy. Necessarily feel like it's, I, okay. Yes, we'll, we'll not get into it any further. It is horrifying, horrifying yeah. and um, but also like really cool at the same time, yes. right? No. The just absurdity of his eyeballs being pulled out is just so wild. I can see why they called it a clockwork nibari because, like, it at first glance, it does look a lot like the scene where they're doing the, the mental, uh, yeah, uh, in room, programming room one hundred and one. Yeah. I think it was no, called. No, that's nineteen eighty four. But oh, pardon me, you're right. <laughs> no, but yes, where where Alex has his eyelids yes. peeled open so that he can watch the subliminal programming videos. I mean, I've had my uh, eyelids peeled open that when I had laser eye surgery, so it's like oh it's yeah, literally the same thing. They have these little things, and it's it's really funny sensation because you just can't blink. You can try to blink, but it just doesn't happen. Oh, I guess it's like a cat when you scratch her behind the ears and yes. her, her leg still That's just has to... Twi- uh, uh, that twitchy thing. Because that's what has to happen. Yep. Right, next we have a scene where apparently Chan has been let out of the prison for a little bit because she's talking to a very pleasant and subservient, or Rigel almost, who actually offers her his plate of food. Yeah. Please, take my plate. She's and, uh, refusing to eat because this is the uh, the prisoners being fed. And yeah, it's so out of character. Here, have my plate. Yeah, it's like, ooh, that's not Rigel. Yeah. We already knew that it wasn't Rigel. Then again, there's like a twi- then... twist coming up on that one. Oh, Rigel, what a surprise. This is where Vala tries to get the information that they want out of Chiana, which is... Where is Neri? And she says, well, Neri died. Because yeah. we saw that in... Uh, Vi- no, not Vitas Mortis. Taking the stone, mm. that her life disc disabled a quarter of an, uh, a cycle ago. Yeah. Uh, and so she says he's dead. And then. Which she genuinely believes. Your brother is very much alive. Varla has like bank vault camera. Oh, yeah. The, there was an attack on some Nabari cargo transports or whatever. Positively identifying a really cool looking Neri who's got two guns and he's got a jacket on. And yeah. I think his hair is even wilder. I think his hair has grown. It's like, it's, yeah, it's just so. a super like fluffy mullet. It's great. And Chiana is, I mean, she smiles at the sight of him. like A little bit, but she's also not entirely convinced that this is actually for real. She's not immediately willing to jump to the fact that her brother is still alive. It's a tricky scene to parse. I mean, yeah. there's, a certain, there's a certain, yeah, that's my brother. My brother's f***ing you up. Mm. Yeah, of course. Of course, you're going to all this trouble to get my brother because he's gonna he's gonna knife your your establishment. There's a pride there 
that I really get. I mean, I'm a brother myself, and when one of my siblings achieves something grand like, yeah, I feel that same kind of uh, uh, smug satisfaction in the face of, well, I've never had to face someone like Varna, fortunately. <laughs> yes, that would be, like, horrific. All your friends are now free of their old ways. All their selfish, abhorrent, violent thoughts have been eliminated. You mean drugged away? More color torture. I mean, she like she's happy to lay on the color torture. Our uh, Varla is. I mean, it's just one one big excuse. And now we see what happens to uh, uh, to Crichton. Who yes, comes staggering down the corridor. Flashbacks of. Well, not flashbacks, I guess. No, exactly. It's just the implanted Scorpius who is, like, telling him to resist. Frell the Frell the Frell the Resist, resist, resist. Fight it. Fight it. Fight them. Help. Well, I'd say helping him, but it's not really helping him. It's more like making sure that he's the one who stays in control rather than anybody else's. Right, I was here first. Yeah, like, this is my territory. So here's Harvey again, and I mean, imagine if you'd seen this without having seen Won't Get Fooled Again. That would be like, what the hell's going on here? Yeah, right? Yeah. Because even Crichton can't explain it. He says, I had these flashes. I mean, he tries several times, but he's like, he's mind-blocked against saying anything about Scorpius. They gave me the full Monty, and it was working, and then I got this, 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 this flash, and it was like it was soaking up the drug. Right? He must yeah. be doing the same thing. Anytime that this Harvey, this is what uh, what he called the neural clone. Yeah. So that's, uh, uh, that's also how Wayne Pygram is credited now. Oh, it's Harvey. <laughs> I mean, it's not Scorpius. Like, no. it's a, a sophisticated neural chip and a mental, like, clone or whatever. But it's mm. it just has the image. And that's why I guess it also talks a little bit different. I'm not sure whether he says help them or frell them, whether he's talking about his friends yeah. or frell the Nabare. But uh, it helps him break the cleansing. Which he demonstrates to Pilot by, I mean, embracing his usual mania, clamoring yeah. about spouting pop culture references. I'm here to tell you that the Nabari are a bunch of geeks! And the damn mind cleansing doesn't work! Oh, Mama Crichton's baby boy! John Crichton, astronaut, master of the universe! Ah! Pilot, it's me. Pilot's like very dismissive of him at first until slowly convinced that he is indeed not being controlled. Climbing over the console, hugging up to uh, Pilot. Oh. Oh, I mean, I would so hug Pilot. I would really want to hug him. I know. Even Uh, though he's got like scary pincer claws, but... Nah. What... That's how he interacts with the world. I mean, dogs have mouths with horrible teeth in them, but, like, puppy kisses. Oh, yeah. Right. I suppose, yeah. What is it they want? They have some vast plot to take over a chunk of the galaxy. Ah, Vala gave me the coordinates to a Nabari outpost. We're on our way there. Well, can't you veer off course, slow down or something? Officer Sun comes in often, checks the readouts on my panel, and Starburst is out of the question. If I attempt at this... Rallying collar will kill me instantly. We've got Nabari aboard. Most everybody is mind cleansed, and there's a peacekeeper patrol in the immediate vicinity. Peacekeeper patrol? That's why most of Vala's crew is dead. Their transport came under attack by peacekeeper patrol. Well, keep cussing, man. I sure as hell can't get this collar off without some help. There's a, a further questioning between uh, uh, Vala and, uh, uh, and Chiana, which Crichton interrupts. Yes. And 
she asks him why he's here. What are you doing? Oh, you know, Moya's amnexus system is like in flux. So I'm just sort of, you know, looking for the source. And he puts on the same surfer act. It's just great. It's everything. It's just... It's great. That he's done before. Did I you noticed that he it? was doing a massive Australian accent, yes. Uh, what? Australian? No. No. I was thinking like Californian? California, like okay. Valley Boy. Oh, hey, dude. Right. Oh, no way. Okay. It sounds like a little bit. It's totally yeah. bodacious surfer accent, yes. dude. Crap, man. I drew with the best of them, dude. <laughs> Once he's convinced Varla that he's properly mind-freld, he stays now, behind with Chiana and has to convince her that... That he's not mind-freld, yes. So that means punching her in the face and then feeling her up yep. off, off camera... Uh, to show that all of his urges are still intact. The hair hand that he is like, yeah. You're you really not cleansed? No, no. My thoughts are as dirty as ever. <laughs> I, thought, I thought I was all alone. I thought, I thought you were... Oh, no, you're not, not going to cry on me, no. are you? And she digs it. Oh, yeah, you can see her go like, ooh... <laughs> Well, I think it's because, I mean, she needs the assurance that it's not her alone. Like, you, you hear, yeah. I thought I was the only one. And there's no other way to convince her, right? I mean, you can say whatever you want to say, but that... But she knows that they'll say whatever they need to say. Because this continues to sort of... I mean, if you only look at Jeeves over over the course of the relationship between uh, Chiana and Crichton, you might have a very different idea of the kind of relationship that they have. Like, mm. it is very physically intimate. Yes. Like, she was basically pegging him up against the prowler when she was talking about, like, being <laughs> s- slow with the soul, fast with the body. Yes. And, like, they've been physically close a lot, but it was never, like, a response of Crichton's. No, I guess not. Right? I he- mean, Crichton's into Aaron. He probably thinks that Chana is a nice piece of, uh, well... That is not... No, that's not where you're going with that, is it? Well... Admit it. You've had sexual thoughts about all of us, haven't you? Not me. I mean, she's very cute. She is. But he wants better things for her. Right, yes. I mean, she probably appreciates her for what she is, and even more, like, even in a physical way, but even more so in a a personal way. And he's, like, not... Yeah, I mean, he's not like, interested in her. I mean, like, yeah, you can appreciate what she looks like and what she, how she is. It's like he has a great admi- admiration for her in, the, in yeah. the opening scene. Like he talked about, you can kick, kiss, and cry your way out of any situation. Yeah, I just wish you wouldn't get into them all the time. <laughs> yeah, uh, I guess a little bit of Big Brother right. scenario towards like, I her. I felt yeah. that. I felt that a lot. Like I'm, no. I'm the eldest of my brood, and I feel that about my younger brothers. Like they have so many qualities that I so admire and. I love that they profit by them. And I wish that they didn't do the other things. Yeah. Because that... uh, But, you know, that's how we all are. There's another quick little flashback with uh, Scorpius or... or, What did you call it? Harvey. Harvey. That's the name that uh, that he settled on. Invisible rabbit. Harvey. Harvey. But apparently yeah, that's, that's apparently from, like it's a beautiful life or something. Uh, uh, one of those American things that I've never seen. More uh, fighting off the uh, the mind filling drugs. Yes, because Crichton came here because he needed allies, more people on the ship, and she explains like, no, it's it's really inviolate. What we did with Durka because that was Crichton's idea. Yeah. Like, Durka overcame it. Now that's not going to work. This is this is chemically induced, so you just right. have to metabolize it. 
Also, the thing with Dirk apparently took 100 cycles to do, and this is like a quick and dirty way of uh, doing the cleansing. Which is only done on aliens, this, yeah. uh, this chemical cleansing, but you have no choice but to metabolize it, and then they both go, oh, Rigel. Yes. And he finds Rigel in uh, the commissary. Uh, I love that little slide that he does when he passes the door, when he comes <laughs> running up and like skits to a halt, and like... <laughs> And Rigel is sitting there and he's being like, oh, it's like, oh, so happy. And like, but he's eating again. And oh, munchies. He's got lovely snail shells. Yes. They're so, he, he loves his little margules now that have, uh, they've got them. And Crichton putting on the, uh, the surfer boy act. Good idea, man. Feels him out. Like, yeah, you've been eating a lot. You got a fat yeah. tablet. Three tummies, dude. That's yeah. awesome. Then literally slaps him, grinds him down face first into the food and going like, yeah, I know. I'm on to you. Oh, no, don't ruin this for me, Crichton. No. Yeah. <laughs> Please don't tell him. Right. Right, Please, calm Crichton. down. I don't want my eyes sucked out again. Frankie, shut I up. My eyes it's me. <laughs> you mean you're not affected either? No, I'm not affected. Now keep your voice down. I've been having these... Uh, forget about that. I mean... They're just getting a little hard. They're just starting to get to a level with each other, accepting from the other one that they are not under the influence of the cleansing, when suddenly Melak shows up in the door. Apparently he's been watching this little interaction. Oh, I happens to overhear what is going on, and John has a weak excuse. Oh, dude, I was just talking about... Uh. And Rigel immediately tries to sell him Sells out. Sells him out! Yep. I don't think the mind cleansing is working. Rigel, please never change. (laughs) Which is is like, earns him a literal punch from uh, John. (laughs) Yeah, as if uh, Melek needed more evidence. And Melek goes like, oh, I see. Yeah. (laughs) Obviously not. Back into the cell with Chiana, he goes. Chiana is giving him the riot act for his his cruelty until Melek hands his stun dildo. (laughs) Oh, come on. You... (laughs) With if the, you the stun dildo with the clampers. Yep, yep. Yeah. Well, you don't know which end goes where. where. Well, you go, don't, go, hey, yeah. you don't know what they've got. No. Wherever they've got them, what where, they've got. Where you know, they, I was where they say, keep their mivonks. Down there. Yes, exactly. Mivonks, the interchangeable term for whatever it is that you use for whatever it is that you do. Maybe reproduction, man, yeah. who knows? It is an awful, like, projectile weapon. If yeah. you want to take aim at someone, like... A, you can have to, like, point it like a, a, fla- a, a flashlight. A Bilbo is not what you want to use for that. No. A Bilbo? I was trying to be discreet. Okay. I'm just, I'm just thinking whether dildo should be bleeped out. I think not. A I Bilbo, think it's a... A Bilbo Baggins? <laughs> so Crichton is a little confused why he's being handed this weapon. Are we missing something here? Because Malak identifies himself as an infiltrant. He is a member of the Nabari resistance. Yes. And works with Chana's brother, apparently. He's been sent by her brother. He uh, has a sort of chip that is coded to her DNA, which he wipes across her lip, and that shows a hologram of Neri with his great wild hair. Hey, little sister. I told you we'd see each other again. Whoever gave you this image disc is one of my people. Treat them well, they're a friend. They, them pronouns is what he uses, so... Oh, yeah, because yeah, he doesn't know what's... Uh, he doesn't know who... Yeah. So there must be multiple people yeah. with these chips that are coded to her DNA, and he's talking about that he's doing important work. <laughs> work. You believe I'd be doing something like that? <laughs> that would be a funny thing, actually, if, like, I mean, late, at, at late, no, if late, in a later episode, they meet another Nabari, and they go, like, oh, I've got a message for you, and it's the exact same message. Oh, no, I got that one already? Yeah. How many points? 
No, it's like they're not going to do that. Like, okay, I'll, I'll put ten points on the fact that they won't do that, but that's like a long-term bet. You can't do that. Well, no. you, you can put ten. No, hold on. You can put ten points on the fact that they won't do that this season. Wait, no, but then you that's only you can really game the system. By yeah, just, no, they're definitely not going to cancel this within. Okay, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's a complicated game. This. It is, but okay, I'll t- I'll take a fifty penalty point if they do that within the the. Within season I'll, I'll two, bit neg- I'll, I'll, I'll bet negative points on that. Like, you know, if there's within- no okay. I've got to do math. I've got a, I've got a handy dandy <laughs> database with like, this I can't do like multi-dimensional math on negative. Come on, let's just stick with this. <laughs> okay, he yeah, sort of chuckles at like, yeah. Imagine me doing work. She's so like, how great would it be that someone you love, whose death you've accepted, and then you get to see that they're like the, the still the, alive. Yeah. The, the pain of still being separated by them and, and, and not knowing, but also knowing that they're okay. Yeah. Right? And apparently doing fairly well, at least like meeting their goals and doing their plans and fighting their resistance. That's what I'd want. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's... I'd want more. Obviously, and Chiana wants that as well. She wants to be with him. Yeah. She wants to go with Melak to meet Neri. But Melak has been ordered not to. And Melak, like Melak, is firm in declining. And Chiana says, "Well, if you don't, then I'm gonna, I'm gonna out you to uh, Tavala." Mm. And then Melak says, "Well, go on. Threaten me with that. Tell her how your friend here somehow avoided the temporary mind cleanse." And he walks away. Like, yep, this this whole like Rigel's betrayal does nothing. That's no. his gift to Chiana and and John. Uh, plus, oh, it yeah, keeps he, his, plus it keeps his cover. It keeps his cover because he's got yeah. some data that he needs to get back to Neri or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. John goes talk to Pilot again. And they make some plans. Because the uh, the Star Runner, as the as the ship is called, the uh, Namari ship, came under attack from a Peacekeeper patrol. So what if we had another one of those? There are some vid images in Moya's data stores. I could cyber manipulate one to appear on the forward portal. Cyber manipulate? That's an interesting word. And I've got some old data that I can use to simulate an attack on yes. the peacekeepers, or at least like show them some. He doesn't really use the simulate thing. It's more, more like uh, the implication is that they're going to use some old footage to uh, imply that there's uh, peacekeepers uh, on their track. Yeah. I'm not completely sure data or... what the plan is here, honestly. No, at this point it's not. It becomes very fairly clear f- fairly soon. But uh, John goes looking for Rigel. He's got a shinty stick again. <laughs> yes, he does. Rigel! And uh, he's walking around with it. Uh, very, Also very Druk style, I suppose. Yeah, very good. <laughs> Where are you, my little husky? I have a stick for you. Do you know that Druk is Welsh for wolf? Uh, I've been told, yes. Um, oh, God, yes, we learned that. We both learned that from Doctor Who. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> Russell T. Davies. I lo- love how he's just, like, walking around, apparently through Zahn's lab, because there's, like, vials and stuff everywhere. Yeah, it seems like it's the apothecary. And he's just making vague threats until trying to find uh, Rigel, telling him what he's going to do to him, until there's this... Sound. <laughs> Yeah. And he goes like, ah, that's where he is. Because like, you know, when... Hoisted by his own helium when, uh, once more. When Rigel gets nervous, then yes. his, uh, his digestive system gets a little bit uh, out of whack, I suppose. He knocks him out of a container that he was hiding in. Yeah, eeny, meeny, miny, moe, that's the container. And then he jostles him about, these are some great seeds. Yes. As he grabs this, 
$500 million puppet. I'm nobody's puppet. And just sort of smacks him around a bit. What they got for you? Shut up, you miserable excuse for a life. I'm sick of having you sell us out every chance you get. I don't do it every chance. Believe me. They don't you BS me, Guido. Where he finally confronts uh, Rigel that, yeah, nobody here is uh, actually affected. We're all fine. The only ones who are still affected are Eren and Dargo, I suppose. Which we also don't see a lot of in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Rigel, Rigel is is really like strategic in this case. Like he, yeah. he says, "These are the Nabari. Nabari. He knows about them and mm. what a threat they are, and I'm just going to play along." And Crichton asks, "Okay, so then they take you to this colony, and then what do you think that happens?" They only cleanse those who don't conform. I can be the go along guy if it means being part of the action, and he can like. Very practical, our uh, Rigel is. Like, yeah, Crichton calls him, like, you're not just about self-preservation, you're the king of it. Uh Uh-uh. Not king. Dominar. (laughs) (laughs) He is a uh, a practical dominar of action. But Crichton needs him to perform the necessary modifications to the neural whatever in order to wire up the command for uh, the fake-out show that they're going to oh, receive. Oh, okay, that, I missed that part. Yes, because uh, a pilot can't do it from his den. No. Someone needs to physically make those adjustments in order to be able to get the simulation up on the yeah. uh, command, and that's what Crichton needs Rigel's help with. And Crichton threatens Rigel with outing him by yelling quite loudly, oh, no, he's not mind-trolled enough, he needs right. his eyes pulled again. And then, like, creepy Erin shows up and, oh, crap, she's like, she was listening. So what's all this about then? What's all this noise? (sighs) Crichton tries his terrible lie again about the Amnexus something, which Erin, I mean, she's mind-frelled, but she's still Erin. She is a smart cookie and not easily fooled. So when she says, I thought Dargo was doing that. He pulls the sophomoric, oh, no, he was feeling sick, so I said I'd do it. Yeah. I love how he just, like, picks up Rigel, throws him on his neck and shoulder, carries <laughs> him off. a horsey ride. Right, yeah, smacks his head into the doorway in the meantime. <laughs> that must be the first time that Rigel has, has smacked his head on a doorway since, well, I guess since he left Hyneria, where doorways are probably smaller. Oh, my size is never a matter for discussion. You I mean, know, unless he puts his throne sled up too high, but... Uh. I always, always wanted to go to Hyneria, and I kept hoping for it, and I remember this was about the time. Yeah, it was about the second half of season two when I realized these fuckers are never going to... Make it to Hyneria. Like, Rigel, they're, they're always talking about how he cost $20 billion to make as a puppet. How are they going to make a hundred of these? Like, what's it going to be like? It's going to be like 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 Labyrinth? No, I mean, I have no idea how much Labyrinth costs, but uh, even those... I like- mean, saying that... I now really, really want... Well, whatever. But, right. So, yes, uh, he gets knocked through the door. Aaron bumps into Dargo and asks, Hey, how's it going? I've never felt any better. That's strange. Crichton said you were feeling ill. So Crichton and Rigel are in the... Uh, the Amnexus something, the, yeah. the, the dual cluster. like Fidgeting, out, fidgeting around with some tools. Yeah, Rigel uh, needs to bring him some more cables, but he's got two live wires that... Oh, don't touch yep. them together. Whoa. Oh, 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 no way. Hey, don't do not do that. You're going to get us killed. Uh-huh. It'll only save the Nabari the trouble later. And Pilot informs them that, hey, the plan that we had is moving ahead of schedule. Like, Chiana has already done her part and gotten Varla and Melak onto the command. Yep. 
Aaron and Dargo come upon them, like, hey, you were yeah. being very suspicious and you haven't been mind frelled. Hey, Rigel, you put that down. And then Crichton says, yeah, why don't you put it down? Crichton does the Dolph Lundgren splits in order to get his feet off the ground. Uh, <laughs> yes, and because, uh, Rigel finally catches on. He knows how to wear a pair of leather pants. Like, mm. woof, woof. I know that he's a straight gentleman. So, yeah. Everybody's uh, straight until they meet the right pair of leather pants. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, <laughs> spaghetti's straight until it gets wet. Whoa! I was just about to apologize for mine. But in comes Kay. Hell yeah. Uh, Rigel drops the live wires, and in, like, Jackie Tran tradition, it just knocks out the mind-freld Aaron and Dargo. <laughs> Pigeon, man. Pigeon. Things start happening on the bridge. Yeah, John shows up and tries to continue doing his uh, his surfer shtick because he, hey, I've got some urgent information. We're under attack from peacekeepers again, dude. Yes, Pilot shows up in the clamshell, warning them about a squadron of, what were they called again? Uh, prowlers. Prowlers, yes. And Crichton says, put it up on the screen, and you see a whole battle group. Like, this is a new render well, that we haven't seen before. Yeah, Farla goes like, oh, just outrun them. They're like, put the throttle on, and what can they do? Yeah, but you've locked out uh, Starburst, so we can't do that. Yeah. Well, Initiate defensive manoeuvres. What do you mean? This is Leviathan. We don't, we don't have, have defen- guns. Yeah. Well, just outrun them then. Like, well, there's a whole battle group there. We can't do that. I, I think the plan was to convince Varla to, like, abandon ship and then somehow, like... Uh, or at woman. least I'll allow them to Starburst out and buy them more time like that. But Varla responds differently. Instead, like, she... Try, threatens to kill Chiana, essentially. Yeah. We will definitely not let you fall into the hands of the peacekeepers because if the peacekeepers find out about the contagion... Yes, and the cure for the contagion, I suppose. Oh, very good, yeah. yes. That will be an ally to the resistance, which must be prevented. And Crichton tries to come in, like, this goes against what you stand for. And here comes what you said earlier, like... You can't just kill her in cold blood. All is forgiven if it is in the service of the greater good. Whoa. Uh, like, which is that like is always, a psychopath. I mean, yeah, the, that's right on par with the "I'm only following orders." You know, fantastic! Like explosions are going off. The Australian Guild of Teamsters so is having a lot of fun I've, with their I've, burning. So I finally figured out how it works. Like all uh-huh. those sci-fi shows that we see, when all these fireworks are going off on the bridge and everything, when they're under attack, that's just because of the simulation uh, units which are on there, <laughs> which are being fired <laughs> by to convey urgency. Yes, exactly. Like there you go. In order to yes, right. In order to convey danger, you turn on the red lights so that. Everybody knows it's dangerous. In order to convey damage, you do explosions in front of exactly. people's consoles. So this is just the fireworks which are there for the simulations, which are actually set off during the uh, actual battles when they like get triggered by the uh, malfunctioning systems. I finally have it figured out. Have we ever talked about the battle shorts? Have I told you about battle that? Battle shorts? Okay, so Gene Roddenberry wrote Star Trek the original series, right? And that's where this trope sort of originated, like consoles exploding when a ship's in battle. And it's because he served in the Navy during the the, the 50s when there was still the practice of battle shorting. Okay, lots of electrical systems have breakers and, like, fuses to protect the system from overloading, Yes, right? But when you're under attack, you would rather damage an electrical system rather than have it disabled. Yes. So in preparing for battle, uh, Navy Warcraft would replace all of their fuses with copper bars right. to ensure that the fuses just don't work and that like if there's an overload through a system then yeah let it overload if there's a 
you know, half a chance that you can still fire your gun afterward. Mm. Like, we'll fix it all afterward. But so, like, the idea was you would indeed have electrical overloads going on behind consoles because they wouldn't be protected. They would deliberately not be protected by fuses. That's an interesting choice because I would say, like, you would have some sort of, you would still have the fuses in place, but some sort of quick replacement system because you would rather have you 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 would rather have the fuse blow due to a brief short overload and then quickly reset the fuse that's what happens now rather than uh, have your console blow up and having to uh, replace all of that so according to the source that i read Uh, about about gene roddenberry when he served like the battle short was still in effect it isn't anymore because you're right you know we have those quick fuse technologies i guess that's how it entered our lexicon and yeah Yeah. i mean your hypothesis is uh, certainly more technically accurate now (laughs) None of this brinksmanship has convinced Vala to uh, uh, release nope. Chiana. There's some incredibly good zoom that they've got because, like, they they, f- they first issue the ships coming in, yes. then they zoom on the, in on the ships, and then they zoom in on the guns which are firing. Which I'm not sure what's that supposed to help FX information. I guess it's just pilot trying to convey a say, sense of urgency. See, until this point, the front portal has always seemed like a window. Yeah. Right, which is crazy because alien ships seemed incredibly close, but that's sort of how it was treated. Yeah. And you can have like a hollow projection over it with a beautiful brace. And now uh, Crichton says, you know, enhance. Yes. And then it gets zoomed in on and you get this cool sort of hexagonal lensing effect. So, yeah, apparently like a lot of this can be done. Crace shows up. Yeah. I am Captain Captain Crace, command, commander of the Peacekeeper Plyzar Regiment. Like a, a, a almost obviously spliced together thing. There's lots of glitches in here to hide the fact that it is being spliced together. He, yep. he, he delivers a very Crace-like speech. I mean, he did that very well. It's very season one Crace. Yes. I warn you. But Varla is unconvinced, and she's now decided to kill Chiana, and that's when Crichton says, okay, quit it, it's fake. This entire Peacekeeper experience, it's a ruse. Pilot does not immediately do that. Pilot tries to keep up the uh, pretense for just a little bit longer. Pilot, terminate the simulation. But Commander, the vessel attacking us is real! And I've got to tell you something, I misremembered this episode. I remembered that line, and I thought, yeah, no, they're actually under attack. Like, I I, thought that the whole clue of this episode was that while they're simulating attack, they actually come under attack. I had a moment of doubt. You did? Yes, when when I was just sitting there going like, oh, f*** are they? (laughs) (laughs) Because it would be be the right time for it, right? Yes. But uh, no, he convinces Pilot to turn it all off. Cut the crap, Pilot! Terminate the simulation! And everyone's fine. And it's now up to Melak. Yeah. Melak is the one. And Crichton tries to convince him you have to take her out. And Melak wants to, at all costs, protect his cover because he still has a mission to fulfill. Finally, Uh, however, he decides that he needs to blow his cover or at least kill Varka, disable her, and then find another way to maintain his cover. Ah! Ew. Betrayed me. And you have betrayed the spirit of our people. Now Pilot, for the first time, appears outside a clamshell and on the that portal. Was it, yeah. Uh, going, uh, Commander. Did that work for you? Did, did you think that worked quite well? I thought it worked. I thought it worked quite well. Yes. Mm, definitely. Definitely. Like, He's so proud of his yes, work. Yes, it's like, can somebody like... Can yes. someone get a little bit of appreciation here? It's like, 
We were doing like running like, a very good simulation. Someone in community theatre who's like asking for, do you have any notes on my performance? And what is he doing for? Yes, yes, yes. Come on, your accolades. <laughs> your accolades will be received now. Yeah, pilot. You're the best. You're great. Melak is off. Um, he's going to try and salvage his cover if he limps across the uh, Nambari border. Maybe he'll be picked up, and maybe they'll buy that he lost the rest yeah, of his crew. Yeah, everybody else got. I mean, the ship's damaged. Uh, other people. He's obviously been hurt. Yeah. Other people just happen to have died. Yeah. I wonder what they do with Vala's body. I mean, they probably don't put Vala's body on the uh, Nabari transport because she was killed by weapons fire. She was killed by yeah. Melak. I mean, they must have a room where they put all the bodies. Like, where did they put all the other- dead commandos? Yeah. No, I mean, just throw them out the airlock, I suppose. I mean, take their clothes. Yeah. They seem to have no problem with stripping someone down to the nude. Yeah. Well, maybe they just do it. Yeah, on the the shield quint. Oh, that sounds cool. Just probably put them out on the balcony and then turn off the force field after everybody goes back inside. (laughs) On the terrace. Yeah. The mind-frelled ones are are all in a cell now. Uh, A brief glimpse of Zan. Just how long do you intend to keep us in here for, Rigel? (laughs) As long as it takes for the... Mind cleansing to wear off? It has, Freling, worn off. Isn't it obvious, sweet Rigel, that we are no longer cleansed? Must be absolutely certain. He's really enjoying it. Rigel is back to his, like, usual annoying self. Dargo, Aaron, and, uh, I mean, they're all sort of playing with their collars and, uh, no, 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 we have to be absolutely sure. And we get a last scene between Crichton and Chiana after Melek has left. Yeah. And it's... Whoa, it's really fatalistic. It's for the best. If you go into Nabar territory, you will be recognized and arrested. Like, he tries to encourage her to have some hope. I mean, what you know now is, like, your brother is alive and he's doing well. You have more than you had yesterday. Which is a great message. Your brother's alive. He's alive. Take that. It's more than you had yesterday. And she tells him, because obviously that's what she feels, like... (laughs) I want to go to him. And he says, And now. But since when do people like us get what we want? Yeah, so that was another fun-filled that episode was a of Get Punch. Yeah. No, I, mean, I thought it was kind of fun. Right? Like, to me, it felt a bit like the opposite of like Won't Get Fooled Again, which was like played for comedy and, average, and then turned horrible. And this was just like played for, <gasps> oh, wow. uh, played for horrible and turned actually like and there was a lot of, no, I the get it, things, I get yeah. it. Because you go from, like, a, a punching a puppet yeah. to someone being horrifically tortured with their body being pulled apart. And, oh, that's a really interesting one. I mean, yeah. this is, like, I talked about Farscape coming into its maturity with the uh, Look at the Princess trilogy. Yeah. And, like, really finding these extremes to play them all. Play the pain of being separated from a sibling whom you love, and the the joy of finding that they're alive, and the body torture, and the the like the cognitive horror of having your will suppressed, and the absurdity of having your eyes pulled out, which <laughs> definitely can't. I mean, and then little things stuck onto your optic nerve. Yeah, to I'm, release chemicals into your bloodstream, which are or directly. Yeah, you know, there's no. I don't think there's. Is there blood running through your nerves? Well, I mean, they're going to have to have that. There's not blood running through your nerves, somewhere. but they're going to have to be like supplied blood from one way I mean, or the other. Yeah. Your eyes are complicated. Like your corneas don't have. There's no veins through your corneas. Your corneas. No, the vein, that, and that's the, the the poor design. The veins are on top of the corneas. You're talking about the retina. 
Uh, retina, you're right. Retina yes, is the no, inside light sensitive no. part. The cornea is on there. So right. cornea gets its oxygen but from co- your eyelids through but, osmosis when you have your right, eyes but closed. But your cornea is like creatine. Uh, keratin? Keratin. That's essentially the skin tissue. No. So the, the, the shield on your... Yeah. No, corona is something else. That's uh, something that... Cornea, the, sorry. Yes, that's yeah. the one. Corona is something that, that people My with certain corona. types... Of, no, 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 definitely not. <laughs> Even Weird Al has said he's definitely not doing that song. No, well, yes. She gives me a woody. She gives you... The willies. willies. <laughs> Speaking of coronas, what's your willies? <laughs> Ooh, willies, willies. I mean, okay, the obvious one would be the... The clock you don't have to Irish. Head. No, like, that's yeah, right. Like, that's yeah, it, right? That's it. Yeah, for me as well. That scene, even knowing that it's absolutely impossible, just oh, I couldn't quite enjoy it as much as I thought I would. Like I even leafed through the uh, Creatures of Farscape book, uh, like trying to find this animatronic that Dave Elsie and his team oh, must have built for it. But I they never. Oh, alas, that's a shame. Alas. Yeah. So Woody, I mean. I'm tempted to say it's going to Rigel, who's being like oh. his, uh, the way he plays being cleansed and being his usual duplicious self. But no, it's really going to have to the eyeshadow on uh, Melak. And, <laughs> the guy shadow. Uh, the guy shadow, fact, yes. Yeah. That's definitely got my Woody. No, that, yeah, that look. God, yeah. Let me see for my Willy. Oh, see, this is tough. It really is. Like, it's another one where I, I oh, no, I have one. Zan. Zan yeah. getting nothing to do. No, like she's almost not there. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a little bit of Zan right at the end. And same with Dargo, like the underuse of these characters. But, I mean, that's partly compensated by the idea that, hey, Virginia Hay deserves a holiday when she needs one. Fair point. Yeah. And Dargo did have his wonderful weepy scene. I'll talk later. Okay. <laughs> but for me, I think my Woody is going to go to the scene between Chiana and Neri. Like, aside from the fact right, that yeah. he is a very pretty boy, mm. and that is and a shadow. fantastic look. <laughs> and yes, that that is the kind of mullet that actually does sort of work. No, it's not a mullet. You've got the, the fluff in front. Yeah, the Aladdin, insane David Bowie kind of look. But their closeness, like as brother and sister, they love each other, right? And they hold each other. And it is a, a physicality that you don't see a lot on television. I mean even more rarely among siblings of the same gender, but just this 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 comfort in being close and how... Like, a family member that you love, like, hugging them, having, you know, being close to each other is a sort of primal comfort, mm. right? You know, like, cats rubbing their heads together. When you love someone expressing that physically is like it's not sex sex is is completely completely different from that and like in this scene them just being together it I mean yeah like yeah I can see where that came from so about that last scene that we have I thought it was like really clever how Melak just kind of like sneaks off while John and Chiana are like having their little arguments <laughs> oh, <yes>. like, <laughs> almost like oh I'm done I'm just uh, okay well bye yep so they're still talking and discussing it and suddenly they hear like the engines of the Nibari ship firing up and they go like oh I guess he's leaving yeah like, so much for that then and Crichton embraces Chiana like yes. she needs another good hug yeah as you just said like sometimes there's just like yeah, the touch of family which is what we which yeah. is what we have. Like they are family. They're a weird, weird family. So what are we gonna name the episode? Well, 
You already called the last one, or uh, you already called a different one mind blown, so we can't do this one again. No, I mean, I'm uh, like, okay, so, I so considering oh, the old eyes thing, I'm something. thinking, yeah, like, who, something. who framed John Crichton, but... Oh, wow, because, yeah... <laughs> All the bulging eyes. <laughs> the bulging eyes, like it's a Warner Brothers cartoon. Yes. I only have eyes for you. Mm. Eh. I scream, you scream, we all scream for eyes scream. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> it's a bit long, but it'll do. <laughs> hey, if I had a penny, <laughs> <laughs> and that's the story so, so far. So escape, yes. <laughs> we will see you next week with another great hiatus. Yes, yes. Once again, uh, we arrive in a situation where, during the original airing, there was now a long gap before the, the the next episode. It was much longer, I think, in this case, for the Americans than for the British audience. So I was watching on the BBC, mm-hmm. and the BBC restarted and finished season two way before the, oh. uh, the US airing. Yeah, very before the Sci-Fi Channel. So I felt very, very lucky indeed. So instead of continuing with Farscape, next week we're going to take a wee little break, and we found something that's actually a really, really good fit. It is a film that you've referenced a few times, yes. Kay, and that has also it been... It came out in 2000. An animated feature set in space of wonderful alien designs, also a favourite of the co-host of my other podcast about Star Wars Rebels, my co-host Greg. And so... He will be joining us next week. Tumbling through a wormhole, we will have a special guest, our first guest, Kay. Like, yes. What is that even going to be like? <laughs> and we're going to watch... Titan AE. Where Earth is a memory of the past, it's the 31st century and humanity is on the brink of total annihilation. All except for one young man who holds the map to the universe's last hope, Titan. In a race against time, the human race has to find the Titan before the elusive dredge destroy it. (laughs) Directed by Don Bluth, the last product of the ill-fated Fox Animation Studios. It came out in 2000, introduced a lot of young people to the glories of new metal. It's my turn to fly. I'm really looking forward to it. You can find us at SoFarscape on Facebook and Twitter. SoFarscape.com slash submit if you want to submit a a synopsis for an upcoming episode. Try not to use any names. And hey, if you want to chip in uh, and help us keep the light on here at SoFarscape Studios, go to SoFarscape.com slash support. And a special thank you to our new Patreon subscribers, starting with Lucy. Thank you to Jonathan as well for joining and signing up. Nicholas, thank you. Dan, and finally, Kathy, who also contributed some uh, some suggestions of her favorite fan fictions, because that's one of the things. Oh, that's yeah. I that's, guess that's like the way to get us to read them is to become a Patreon and then suggest them. And <laughs> it's really, really good. Like she, she specifically chose a few that were like safe for K. We actually recently read one of them, and it is such a good one. It's uh, fantastic. Yes, we're going to include that as a little bonus for this episode. So if you stick around after the end credits, you'll get this week's fan fiction as well. Just to let you know what kind of things you can expect uh, when you join our Patreon. Just basically us inanely reading fan fictions and... Uh, wow. I can see why you're not in sales, Kay. Uh, yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> no, uh, it, okay, so this one it was really, really great because it's about the Babel bugs. It's it is. about the translator microbes, and it was really, really exciting to read. Uh, thank you so much, Kathy, for suggesting it. Thank you for everyone who's who's helped out. And if you'd like to chip in, that's at sofarscape.com slash support. We really appreciate everyone who's helped us. Like, that is actually going to help us do next week's greatest hiatus uh, because we need a paid Zoom account in order to be Ooh. able to do a three-way thing and thanks to our patrons we can actually do that thank you guys so much I'm Kaki I'm Kay so So far far, escape so so good. good
Hello and welcome Fuck to it, Fanfic Friday. Friday. Fuck Fanfic Friday. Oh, okay. So you said, uh, "How about I start with hello and welcome?" And you, you break in. You probably wanted me to wait until you reached like so farscape and not just like probably, walk, yes. okay. Well, maybe maybe next time. We'll Obviously. do that next week. We'll, we'll, <laughs> I mean, so, I'd say we'd get it in post, but we don't edit these ones. Hello uh, to our. Uh, Listeners, and specifically the uh, Patreon listeners. Uh, yes, yes. Of which, oh, oh, we have a we have a new subscriber who specifically did not want uh, a shout out on the show. Just uh, so we have a new sort of class of stealth subscribers, which yes. I'm very excited about. <laughs> uh, oh, and in fact, uh, today's story was sent to us by by one of our subscribers. Uh, mm. Thank you, Kathy. They went through some of their uh, their favorites uh, and sent us some that, even though they're on the website uh, terrafirmescapers.com, which is not safe for K, mm-hmm. um, because it was, uh, it was sort of a duplicate of an older uh, yes. an older website. Um, but uh, these are some favorites of theirs that uh, that are that are safe for K and that are from the the era. Uh, so this is Lost in Translation, uh, written by what do you think, Lady Balin? Yeah, right? Yeah. As in, you know, my cousin Balin. Balin. Isn't Balin one of the Balin is one of the dwarves, yeah. Lord, yeah, exactly. But you can't tell because of the beard, you see. So right. maybe it's well, Lady Balin. Yeah. Uh, rating is PG. Uh, setting is early season one, sometime between the premiere and PK Tech Girl. Uh, beta reader, what do you think? Mini Gluck. Mini Glick. Yeah. Mini Glick, yes. Oh, and the author's note... This is my first fanscape fic, so I'd appreciate any feedback, particular as I just watched the entire series in the last couple of months. Oh, now I'm getting a little bit worried. Oh dear, yeah. Uh, well, maybe I'll just have to like pull the plug at some point. Okay. Uh, we'll, let's see, let's see. We're, we're, we're on the razor's edge here. Uh, the title is, of course, Snatched from the Movie, and there's uh, Lost in Translation, and there's more than one pop culture reference buried in there. This is John Crichton we're talking about. The entire thing is based around my personal wank for how translated microbes work, which other people may or may not find interesting. So, Lost in Translation. By Lady Balin. John hadn't noticed that at first, and why would he? With rejects from Mos Eisley jumping out at him <laughs> left and right, translator microbes were just one blip in the very long list of weird to adjust to. I love that we're talking about yeah. the, the, the the little babel bugs. He first noticed it with Aaron, of course. He couldn't help it. Every time he looked at her, some small subconscious part of his brain, the part that wasn't still screaming in terror, whispered, human. And so, of course, he expected to hear English. Though at this point, he'd take Spanish or French or, hell, even Hungarian. Not that he really knew what Hungarian sounded like. Point was, human. Crichton, hand me that graph check, Aaron demanded. Ah, uh, you get Aaron. Oh, okay, well... Uh, well. Uh, John paused and paired up. Uh, John paused and peered over the nose of her prowler at her. Graph check, he repeated cautiously, stumbling over the unfamiliar syllables. He wondered in what new way he'd managed to embarrass himself this time. Yes, Crichton, the screwdriver, the one sitting in your hand, Aaron spoke slowly, conveying in tone, if not words, that she clearly thought him to be the mental equivalent of Benji Compton. Who the hell is Benji? I do Compton? not know. It's Benji with a Y, Compton. Hmm. No, never heard of him. John shook his head to clear it. He did have a screwdriver, or the closest thing to it in this part of the universe. So why had he heard Gavchak a moment before? Oh. He hoped that the translator microbes weren't dying on him. Maybe human physiology couldn't support them. Crichton! Aaron snapped. Aaron, what did you call this? John held up the object in question helpfully. She narrowed her eyes. John grinned at her. Humor me? he asked. Screwdriver, she said flatly. This time, John was ready for it. 
He understood screwdriver, but he heard Grafchik. Beneath the meaning of the word, he could still distinguish the actual sound that she made. Oh, wow. More than that, he found that if he focused on the meaning of the word, he actually perceived her lips forming the word screwdriver. <gasps> but that if he focused on the sound, he perceived the word Grafchik. Apparently, the microbes affected more than his auditory system. Dubbing would never be the same again. <laughs> <laughs> Say it again! John ducked under the nose of the prowler and stood in front of her, prompting Aaron to slip a hand onto her pulse pistol. Yeah, okay, fair. Crichton, we've less than three arms to get my prowler fixed. Just say it, John pleaded. Aaron sighed. Screwdriver, she repeated dully. Crichton, what's this all about? Screwdriver, grav check. John said delightedly. Hear it? Hear what? You're repeating screwdriver over and over like a deranged Malbec? John smiled to himself. Apparently, English had no equivalent for that particular word. When I speak, what do you hear? Aaron opened her mouth, but before she could say anything, John interrupted. No, wait, try this. He caught her hand and placed it against his mouth. Aaron raised an eyebrow quizzically. Screwdriver, grav check. Screwdriver, grav check, John repeated into her fingers. He lifted her hand away. Tell the difference? Aaron frowned slightly. You're speaking Sebastian, she finally said as her brow cleared. Right, John grinned at her. I can hear what you're actually saying. Man, Noam Chomsky would have a field day. You try it. She cocked oh, her I head. I understood that reference, by the way. Noam oh, Chomsky, is the uh, a filmmaker? Uh, no, he's a, he's a linguist and a, oh, and a sort of right. computer opinion hammer. Yes. She cocked her head at him. Say, screwdriver, Aaron, John pleaded. Grafchak. Screwdriver. Oh, wait, she does that. Oh, sorry. Uh, let me see if I can do that. Laugh, Jack. Oh, yeah. Uh, screw. Crichton. Crichton, this is ridiculous. Is there a point to all this? She flipped her braid irritably. Oh, yeah, she wore the braid. John felt slightly hurt. Well, this is interesting, isn't it? <laughs> that you can hear the real language underneath the translation. Spanish for dummies has nothing on this. Talk about total immersion. Aaron stared at him blankly. John struggled to explain. Look, you've encountered, what, dozens? Hundreds of alien species? Hmm. Aaron acknowledged the point with an eyebrow raise. Mm. And so have you ever heard the real language, the stuff people are actually saying? Not everything translates, Crichton, and some species are worse than others. She muttered the last part. And uh, some species are rich in <laughs> I'm not talking about... <laughs> what? I'm not talking about... It's in the... I'm not talking about names, basic words, common words, the ones that have equivalents. You've had these Babel fish wannabes yes! since birth. Yes! Surely you've noticed this. <laughs> Finally! Yes. I don't... I didn't speak much with aliens, Aaron admitted. I've sort of gone like Mary Poppins with Aaron. Yes. John's breath exhaled in a sigh as he remembered. Oh, yeah? Irreversible contamination. Racial purity. You guys couldn't give the Nazis a run for their money. Oh, come on. If you're going to do that accident, you've got to say Nazis. Nazi. Okay, Nazis. <laughs> Aaron turned away from him abruptly to face the prowler. This is a waste of time. We need to finish this. He placed a hand on her shoulder. Hey, I'm sorry, I didn't meet. He drifted off as he felt her tense. Right. Sighing to himself, John ducked back over to the other side of the ship. He worked companionably with Aaron for the next hour. Uh, Arn, better get used to it. In silence. Things were always easier somehow when he wasn't trying to talk to her. I think that's it, he called out. Aaron leapt into the cockpit. Flicking a few switches, the prowler's engine started up with a hum. Good. It's all set, she replied as she powered the ship back down. John collapsed on a nearby crate and leaned back on his elbows. What I wouldn't give for a beer right now. <laughs> Aaron climbed out of the ship and sat next to him. Beer, she asked cautiously, as if she wasn't sure she wanted to know the answer. 
One of the many things that the local stop and shop doesn't stock out here, John sighed. As he caught Aaron's look of irritation out of the corner of his eye, he clarified, alcohol. That word never failed to translate. Some <laughs> things really were universal. <laughs> I'd like a fellow nectar, Aaron offered. And pizza, John replied. And as long as he was fantasizing, he wouldn't say no to chocolate and ice cream. Erin looked down at her hands and twisted her fingers together. That word you said earlier, the kraftchak? John looked up at her in surprise. The screwdriver? Erin frowned. John sat up. Focus on the sound, not the meaning. I know, there's a drink on earth. It's made with orange juice and vodka. It's called a screwdriver. <laughs> he still wasn't entirely sure how the microbes worked, but maybe if Aaron expected to hear a proper name, they wouldn't translate the sounds. Whoa. I mean, I've, I've, been, I've, I've been, like, hypothesizing about yeah, that as well. right? It's, uh, uh, oh, my God. Uh, screwdriver, Aaron said slowly as she rolled her tongue over the syllables. John grinned. Right, it's the same word. A craft is a screwdriver? Aaron said doubtfully. <laughs> he nodded. One word, two meanings. Can you hear it now? Say it again. Aaron rested her fingertips on John's lips. Screwdriver, he whispered. Screwdriver. Sorry, screwdriver. <laughs> Aaron slowly smiled and it entirely transformed her face. John hadn't realized that she could look like that. I hear it, she said gleefully. John smiled back at her. She still had her fingers pressed to his lips. He wanted to kiss them, he realized. Hell, he wanted desperately to kiss her. But he had no idea what peacekeeper protocol was for these sorts of things. She was just as likely to punch him as to kiss him back. 50-50 shot, he figured. Might even be worth it. (laughs) Aaron's smile had faded now, and she was looking steadily into his eyes. John began readjusting his... uh, (coughs) Sorry, readjusting the odds. Aaron, he breathed. She slid her fingers away from his lips. Then the shutters went down in her eyes and she stood up. Oh. Thank you for your help, Crichton. John jerked back to the reality where he wasn't Captain Kirk. No problem, he replied to her, retreating back. No mistaking that body language. Some things didn't need translation. Oh, yes. This is great. <laughs> I this like was this a one. great story. Yep, well this is a done, Lady story. Balin. Oh, because, yeah, that's kind of how it ha- sort of has to work, right? Yeah. And it's interesting that, like, the, the, the microbes can tell the difference between the proper, na- proper nouns ah, and... Oh. Yeah, sorry, that was the cat trying to escape uh, from yeah, uh, I had a, the I had comfort a... of Kaki's lap. Yes. <laughs> so that steady sort of, sort of rumble that you heard throughout, if you're, if you're very, very lucky and the microphones are very good, was her purring. And now she's just decided that elsewhere is where she needs to be. But, yeah. Good story. <sighs> All right. Thank you so much for uh, uh, supporting us. It really means a lot to us. And also, we hope you enjoyed the story as much as we did. And we'll see you again next week on uh, uh, Farscape Fanfic, Fanfic Friday. Farscape Fanfic, Fanfic Friday. Friday. La, 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 la